Hello and welcome to the Rethink Missions podcast, stories and lessons from frontier missionaries to unreached people groups. If you are a church planter, aspiring church planter, or missions-minded believer, this podcast will challenge your thinking and encourage your heart. Here is your host, Jeremy Wardlaw. Welcome to this week's episode of Rethink Missions Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about finances. In order to get a perspective on finances that we can really appreciate, I want to talk to someone who has decades of experience helping missionaries, number one, get the financial support they need, and number two, manage it and not make mistakes that could jeopardize their longevity and sustainability on the field. Over the years, missions has changed a lot. But the Great Commission hasn't, and the role the church plays in the Great Commission, that hasn't changed. And so we want to hear from John Schmidt, we want to hear your perspective, because there's a lot of fears related to um, raising support, and a lot of misunderstandings maybe uh, when it comes to missionaries and how they should manage funds. And so, John, could you start us off and First of all, maybe just talk about those fears. Why do you think people are so afraid of stepping into missions and stepping into um, the first step, which is raising support? As I've uh, considered that issue, I think for those who are entering into fundraising, the one thing that... uh, stands in their way is that they're embarrassed to share their financial needs. They feel like they have to apologize somehow for uh, needing this money to be able to function in their ministry. And then uh, tied with that becomes this fear of being rejected, of people responding negatively to their need. And, uh, and so that uh, stops some people in their tracks. And uh, as I've, I've observed missionaries over the years, I've, I've seen that uh, to be the case. As the different ones have been in our church and spoken, you can tell for those who are confident and ready to go and get on board with us, and the other ones who tend to apologize their way through their presentation. And uh, so I was thinking about the church's responsibility, and I think sometimes the believers in the church don't understand what their responsibility is to the missionary, that they should be the ones who are supporting workers going out. Okay, I was thinking of the Apostle Paul and uh, his relationship with the Philippian church. And uh, it's interesting that in, uh, uh, let's see, it was in Philippians 1.5, um, he mentions the uh, that uh, it's the responsibility of of the church to partner with him, and uh, he actually commends the Philippians for their participation in his ministry. He, they sent money to him 
when he was ministering in the uh, Corinthian church. So I think part of the problem in this, this fear that missionaries have is related to the fact that the people in the church themselves don't understand their responsibility, and if they did, then it wouldn't be an issue on either side. Okay, I feel like you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the missionary feeling apologetic, embarrassed, and even maybe that fear of rejection kind of... For me, you know, we're, we just finished raising our support, um, or are just finishing, and that definitely is the feeling, mm-hmm. you, know, I, you know, I had early on that, oh man, that I'm almost... A, I feel bad asking for this. Yeah, and I think in the, in the missionary mind, if if you get it settled that it is the church's responsibility to care for those that they send out, and if you can get past that or have that settled in your mind, then it'll help to settle that that embarrassment or that fear because. Um, you know that is their responsibility, and you should not have to apologize for that. Right, and it's not like you're asking for something um, that isn't needed, um, and it's not even for you. It's to reach unreached people groups, and I think maybe that's something that we we just think of it as funds that goes to the missionary rather than funds that goes to a ministry. And I mean, there's nothing embarrassing about a ministry. That's no, that's God's true. heart. So yeah, those fears are just come from insecurities on our part, and even maybe not really understanding the body and how the body fits together. Yeah, I think that's true. That it's it's a body function, and uh, if everybody involved, the missionary and the church, can see that then that that alleviates this tension when it comes to finances. Right. And you can have people say some kind of crazy things. Um, you talk about people in churches not really understanding their role to send missionaries. Um, I mean, you can have people thinking missionaries are lazy for raising support. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Uh, yep. Maybe not personally, but that's something out there that you mm-hmm. should work to support um, yourself and that mission- missionaries are lazy or perceived that way. How would you interact with that idea? This is this is one that I, I think is uh, uh, a problem uh, to it, it, certain people. In the church, uh, the thing is, we have to consider the job that's being done. And uh, let's just take a, a foreign missionary who's going to go and reach a third world people. Okay, his first responsibility when he heads overseas is to learn the language and the culture of the nation that he's in, which is a difficult thing in itself and takes a lot of time and energy. Then, from there, if he doesn't uh, work in the national culture, he's going to have to move in, especially with our particular organization that we've been with, you move into another uh, more remote area, and you have to learn another language and another culture. 
And when you go out there, it's not even possible to work to earn your living. Uh, you are really uh, cut off from any way of making a living, nor would the people you're going to minister to expect that of you, though you may help them in their fields when they're planting or whatever. It's not something that you can um, earn your living doing. But considering, just considering the amount of time it takes to learn a second or language and the culture, where does the, my question is, where does the missionary get the time to have another job? Okay. If he has, has to work on the side to be able to uh, learn the language and the culture to prepare him for his ministry, it's going to take that much longer to get him to that point where he can actually communicate in the language and in a cultural context that's understood. So what might take a year to two years is now probably going to stretch out to four because he's got to spend half his day working at whatever and and then also studying. And, and I just don't think it's practical. I don't think it's... Uh, Something that uh, he can he can actually do effectively, and uh, so I I think that the thinking in the part on the part of those on the in the home church that think that the missionary um, needs to work to pay his own way uh, need to be educated, okay, and they need that the missionary when he's doing his presentation in the church because these people are probably sitting there thinking that he needs to be be sure he clarifies the time aspect of the ministry he's going into and and what its requirements are so that these people can change their thinking. Right. I mean, you can even lay it out in terms of hours. On average, it takes 6,000 hours to learn a language. Yes. So where are we going to get these 6,000 hours? How long would you like it until there's a church planted there? It could be 6,000 hours in four years. Mm. Or 6,015, your choice, church, you know, would you, would you want to support it or would you want, rather me plant a farm? And Yeah, how long does this, this group of believers uh, want the gospel to be held back from these people because of the time element and the delay? Okay, do they sense the urgency to get uh, the gospel to these people who haven't heard? And if they do then they have to be willing to free up the missionary to put his all of his energy into his ministry. Okay. I hear it. Obviously, I agree because I understand the difficulties of learning a language. And um, But yeah, you're right. As the missionary who's communicating to churches, we have to educate. We can't expect people to understand everything it takes to reach an unreached people group. That's our job, to educate the church. That's very true. Yeah. And uh, maybe sometimes those fears relate to not knowing how to explain everything it takes to plant a church. Another perspective, which is sort of the expectations, maybe even by the missionary himself, that he uh, will be poor or should be poor, because that's the right thing to do. Have you heard that idea? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've heard this expression, Lord, you keep the missionary humble and we'll keep him poor. 
Okay, so explain that. Uh, well, by not giving him that much support, obviously he's not going to be able to put much in, by way of financial resources into his ministry if he's got low support. Um, the, more, the, the better support a missionary has financially, the more he will actually invest in his, in his, in his work. And I would trust that it doesn't mean he's going to go and build himself a bigger house, okay? Or does he really want to cut himself off from the people? Right. And put himself on a standard of living that's so much higher than theirs that uh, they, be, they become, he, beco- they, <laughs> he becomes unreachable and the other way around. Right. Okay? He's, he's at such a high standard of living, there's no way that he can yeah. relate. And yeah. I, I, I can see where some people in the church would think if he gets a lot of support, then that's what he's going to do. And so I think the the people in the church need to know their missionary and know his heart and his commitment to the work and and would then understand that that's quite unlikely that he would do that, okay, that he wants to reach these people. And so he's going to try to live on a standard of living that's it's not going to alienate him from the people. Uh, at least I would trust that would be true. And so I, I this whole thing of being poor it would people do that for themselves in our own culture just because you're a christian does that mean you should be poor okay i don't i don't think so and whatever people would think their standard of living should be here in north america then by rights the missionary should be able to live on a standard of living that's appropriate for where he's living Right, okay. not necessarily identical to what it is here, but appropriate yeah, for to, his context. Yeah, and what the cost of living is there on the field. And so I, I just think it's just, it's just, I don't think it has any biblical basis uh, to say the missionary should be poor. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that, uh, that, that it's, it says anything about that. Okay, the Lord does uh, speak to us about how we manage our finances but he doesn't say at what level it's going to be. There were rich people that he spoke to and poor people he spoke to, and uh, it was always in relationship to what they did with the money they had in their hands. And he condemned some for the wrong use of it, and he commended others for the way they did handle their finances. And so I think that's the more important issue rather than what standard of living you should be having in your ministry. Um, can we step back to the previous question? Yeah, for a sure. Because I had another thought on this. Sure. When we were talking about should missionaries work on the side to support their own okay. ministry. Okay, yep. Going back to the Apostle Paul again. Okay. When he was in Corinth, he actually did work as a tent maker while he was ministering there. But his situation was that he already knew the language and the culture of the people. He was living in a community that he was familiar with, and so he was able to work on the side. And he understood the the situation with the Corinthian church, uh, that this is something he needed to do in that cultural setting. However, it's interesting to note that when... Timothy and Silas arrived in Corinth um, to, uh, to work with him. As mentioned in Acts 18.5, it says that Paul began to be fully occupied with proclaiming the word. 
And so he stopped being a tent maker and committed himself 100% to the ministry of teaching the Corinthian people. And so there are, there are times when perhaps even on like on a home assignment, okay, where it's appropriate for the missionary to work on the side as well as function in the ministry he has when he's back in this culture. And for, and then there are other times when it's not, okay, when he needs to travel all over the country to, uh, to share his work and all, how can he keep a job and travel and share and prepare and spend time with people? And so each, each individual has to look at his particular situation and see what, what works best to make the ministry fruitful. It's crazy that the very verse where people kind of base their idea about raising support being wrong. I mean, just read a few verses later, and it also supports the idea that once you do have support, then you can actually be fully committed to the ministry. Yes. Which is pretty yeah. ironic. That yeah. It's right there in that same passage. Exactly. And in that passage, when Timothy and Silas came... They actually brought the support from the Philippian church to support him in his ministry. So now he didn't have to be a tent maker. He could actually commit himself to the to the work. Right. And it's not that I don't believe tent making or being supported one is better than the other necessarily. It just depends on the context mm-hmm. and of what you're trying to accomplish. So what about... Uh, what about some financial mistakes that you see uh, missionaries making, people who are trying to reach the unreached, and you're thinking to yourself, as the financial guru that you are, <laughs> Thank you. you've just hit on my favorite topic. <laughs> okay. Um, these mistakes are really going to limit your ministry. What are some of those mistakes, most common mistakes, and how can they limit someone's ministry? I think uh, many missionaries live uh, live hand to mouth. They just they just use everything that comes in, okay, and they live entirely in the present rather than thinking about the long term. Okay, there are a number of things that every missionary, regardless of his support, I think needs to be not only aware of, but being active about. Um, and some of that is, is budget. It all, it all ties into budgeting. Okay. What do I need to live? Okay. And what do I need to save? Okay. And let's correct the thinking that living by faith doesn't mean that you don't save for the future. Okay. The missionary has to believe, live by faith, believe that there are those who are going to engage with him and are going to support him financially in his ministry. So that, that takes faith to believe that those people are going to stay committed to him and the work. Uh, but it doesn't mean that he, he takes the position that, oh, the Lord will provide for everything in my future. Uh, the Lord, uh, himself in talking with with different people in the Gospels, uh, commended those who who saved and used what was put into their hands, okay, and condemned those who who didn't handle their finances appropriately. 
Uh, and he, he condemned those who hoarded, and he also condemned those who didn't do anything with it. So there's got to be a balance here in between. And I think there's some things that each missionary uh, needs to be involved with financially, uh, thinking towards the future, okay? Uh, there's there's a there's a, an understanding in churches today that uh, that wasn't there years ago that when the missionary uh, gets to the retirement po- par- portion of his life and ministry that he will have saved for his retirement okay just as they have themselves put money away every month or yearly whatever into their RSPs retirement savings plan. The church expects that the missionary is doing the same. Uh, when I came on board here with our organization, you know, almost 50 years ago, um, the churches were still committed to supporting a missionary in his retirement years. And over those years, I've seen that evaporate. And where now it's very rare for a church or individuals to continue to support a missionary when he gets to retirement, when he comes home and is no longer 100% active in a ministry overseas. He may still be doing some speaking and things back here, but he's taken on that status of retired. And right away, you see all or most of the support disappear. Okay. And so the missionary, I believe, needs to be putting some money away into retirement savings. It doesn't mean he has to put a lot away, okay? And the younger he starts, and I should say at the beginning of his ministry, he should start putting something away every month, just have it taken out of the payroll, if you will, and and put into whatever he decides is appropriate as a, as a retirement savings plan, and he can work that out with we actually have within our organization a, a couple of people that we uh, use Christian men who have their own financial um, businesses, and we usually uh, introduce our missionaries to them to be able to um, get set up with something that's appropriate to them. And the thing is, uh, with all investments, what you need is time. If you want to see a return on your money, you need time. And so the younger you start, the less you can put away, and when you get to retirement age 40 years or plus later, okay, you will have enough or you should have enough to live on mm. in your retirement years, okay? And so I've always told people in the seminars I've done is uh, most of us, I think, could live without $25 a month, okay? Right. And so depending on your support level, if, if that's all you can afford, then do that. Don't say it's too little, okay? Because you've got years to see it grow, okay? And I, I have charts that show that if you put $25 a month away for 40 years, you're actually going to have a couple hundred thousand or more uh, in savings further down the road, okay? Um, if you leave it alone. That's remarkable. And, and let it grow, okay? Yeah. As your support increases, okay, and to avoid having to pay large amounts of income tax on your money, the government has made it possible for you to put money into retirement savings and take an equal deduction on your tax return. And so as your support goes up, then start putting more away into retirement savings as you can afford it. Okay, the other thing that 
um, missionaries should think about is their children's future education. Okay. And here in Canada, every family who has children get the, the child, the Canada child benefit. And I encourage families to take a portion of that Canada child benefit every month and put it into a savings plan for their, their children's future education. Uh, so that when they get to 18 or 19 years of age, all of a sudden they want to go off to college or university. And where are we going to get $30,000 to send them off to school? Then you've got something. And here in Canada, again, uh, if you put uh, funds into an RESP, uh, Retirement Education Savings Plan for your children, I suggest people do one for each child. Don't combine them all in one because then the first child gets it all <laughs> and there's nothing left for the second and third child. But have one for each child and take part of the child tax benefit and put it in there. The government gives a grant based on what you put in. So if you put in the maximum that you're allowed in one year, the government will give you $500 in a grant uh, to supplement that fund. So... That's that's that puts you that much further ahead, right? In in the in the objective, and the third thing I usually suggest to people is also open up some kind of a savings plan to save for your home assignments. Okay, put money away every month uh, because when you come home in four years, five years, whatever it is, uh, you're probably going to have to buy a car. Uh, you, if you're going to rent someplace, you're probably going to have to put first and, and last month's rent down up front. Okay. You're also going to have to pay, uh, some utility costs and things up front to get hooked up. There's, there's just so many expenses that you face, uh, in those, that first week, two weeks at your home. Right. Not every church and not every supporter uh, is going to get on board and give you additional support to see those things happen. Right. And so I believe it behooves the missionary to take the responsibility uh, and, and not expect that his home church and his supporters are going to cough up additional money to see him land on his feet when he gets back here into Canada. Right. Uh, and so whatever it takes to put away every month into some kind of a savings plan, not an RES, not a, a retirement savings plan, because that's for the future retirement. That'll be locked up. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you land up putting money into a retirement savings and then take it out to, to set yourself up on a home assignment, that money is going to be brought back into your income. Okay. And so you don't want to, you want to avoid that. So you want a separate savings plan that will earn some money for you. And he, again, here, the government in Canada has is, is, is really helped us as missionaries. <laughs> they probably wouldn't appreciate the fact that they're helping us. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, but um, you can use TFSAs, tax-free savings accounts, and your financial advisor can get you set up to put money into a TFSA every month. And then anything you earn within that tax-free savings account is not taxed. Right. And so that's going to put you that much further ahead because here in Ontario, at least, when you pay your federal tax and your provincial tax and you add those together, it's 22%. So if you earn Yikes. $100 on a savings account, you're going to pay $22 back to the government with your tax return. So have a TFSA and you keep the $22. No brainer. 
Not to my mind, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so those are things that I think each each family needs to consider is their retirement savings plan, saving for children's uh, future education, and saving for home assignments. The American versions of these exist, right? Retirement exactly. Savings. In the States, it's IRAs. Right. Okay. For retirement savings. Right. There's also a benefit that uh, families get or can get on their annual tax return in the U.S. It's it's all like our child tax benefit, but it's paid with their annual tax return. It becomes part of their refund. Then take that and sock it away in your children's education fund. Okay. When you're saving for um, home assignment, let's say, um, you would put that in, you could just put it in a, a savings plan with your bank that ha- that has interest that's, that's yeah, the banks. For you. The banks have. You can do it through your bank, or if you have, if you are with a particular financial company that you're doing your registered retirement savings plan with, they would also be able to set you up with TFSAs, any other kind of savings accounts. They'd probably have a full package of things that you could use. So you'd be looking for something with a little more aggressive growth, perhaps during those for a. F- for it to really make sense for four years? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would go with something that's more aggressive. And um, uh, under, you have to understand the risk as well. When right. you go with more aggressive investments, uh, then there's an element of risk. It's not like just interest. It might be You might be buying uh, into things like mutual funds, for right. instance. Um, or it could be uh, savings bonds or, or whatever. But again, I think it's wise for the missionary before he goes overseas to sit down with a financial planner and say, here are the things I need to do. What is my best uh, option? Right. And uh, so when I think really long term, uh, then I think you can go with higher risk because because the ups and downs in the market, um, you can weather that as long as you don't panic and take it all out. Okay? Right. When right. the market goes down, we, I've, in my seminars, those who know me will know that I say, when the market goes down, you should celebrate, uh, not panic. Because if you're buying in every month and you're buying some units, say, of a mutual fund, obviously you're going to get more units when the price drops than when it keeps going up. And history has shown that over a period of time, the market always come, has always come back to where it was before it dropped and gone further. Okay, And so if you're thinking long term, uh, and I say a minimum of five years okay, on that sort of thinking, uh, then you'll probably see a better return on your money. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down as a missionary and you think about how much am I going to need when I come home <laughs> for that year on home assignment? You know, like getting a car, renting an apartment, whatever. And that's going to be quite sizable. Right. And so you want to find something that's going to, it may not help to provide all the funds, but at least get you partway there. Right. I mean, it, you could still take a car loan if you needed to, whatever. If you haven't got all enough saved to actually outright buy it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but again, I think sitting down with someone who's knowledgeable in finance, a uh, financial planner who can set you up in an RSP, even the uh, RESPs for your children and savings for a home assignment, 
Thank you. This has all been very helpful. Any fi- any other financial mistakes that you think, oh, better not do that. That's going to lead you down a path that won't work for you. I think I think the big one is waiting to do anything. Like, I don't have that much support, so I'll wait until my next home assignment when I can come home and raise more support, and then I'll start doing something. And the longer you delay, the less you're going to see, even with increased support. Hmm. Because, and I find those who procrastinate, they don't do it the next time either. They put it off and put it off. And and I've had missionaries sit in, in my office who are 40 to 50 years of age and have never started anything yet. And when I tell them, they say, well, I'm going to have to save this much for retirement. Uh, instead of putting, say, $25 a month away now to arrive at the same goal that the 25-year-old started at, they're going to have to put a couple thousand month, a month away to achieve the same goal. Right. And they haven't got that. Time is your friend. Exactly. If you're, if you're young, get started. And if, if you haven't started, get on it. it. Get on it. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yes. And this is because the market adjusts, but yep. it is growing. Yes. The economy is growing. That's right. And you said that's that's a track record that's been sort of proven. Over how many years has this shown that the market is generally growing? Well, the stock market started back in the 1800s, 1830s, I believe. And uh, there was one chart I had that shows all the ups and downs right up to the current year on a, on a graph. And you see the dips. And when you when you look at, like you take, take the, the 19... 29 stock market crash, uh, when you look at it over 150 years and where the market is today, it looks like a very small blip. Barely anything. And it, it's exactly. a historic moment, right? We, yep. we all know about mm-hmm. that. And I, had a, I had a missionary who actually was, had taken the advice we had given him before he headed overseas. And he had sold his home before he went overseas. So he had something to work with, okay? And, uh, and he actually uh, uh, doubled his money in about five to ten years. And that he took most of the, what he had sold. Well, the thing was, when he came here in the training uh, with our organization, he put all of his money into a bank account that was giving him a couple percent interest and he was living off of the sale of the house. Okay. And it was it was only like three or four months, and he realized that he was now using the principal from the sale of the house for groceries. Uh oh. And he thought he realized he wasn't getting ahead, and so we put him in touch with a financial advisor who sat down and worked out a plan for him with other. Um, mutual funds and whatever that would see a better return on his money. And so he did that. He moved all the money into appropriate um, investments for his what his goals were. And like I say, in the next five to 10 years, he doubled his money. Hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting that um, he, he left his money there. And when he, he, they had to come home from the field because of health uh, situations. And they weren't able to go back overseas. And he, he contacted me and he goes, well, we need to buy a new house. Well, they had the, they had the money there to do it. Wow. Okay? 
another family started saving on a smaller basis, okay, putting, I think it was 100 month a month away in investment. And they were doing, had done that over 10 to 15 years um, from the mid, uh, mid 80s till about 2000, somewhere in there. And they too had to come home for health reasons, okay. Oh, uh, no, no, that I need to correct that. Uh, the market took a real downturn, okay. And he does what he did, what many others do is that he panicked. He thought, I got to get out of here and I got to get out now, okay? And so he contacted me. He says, I want you to cash out everything, okay? I, I want to get rid of this before it goes down any further. And I said, so I asked him the question. I said, so why were you, why did you have the money out there in the first place? And why were you investing? And he said, I was, I was saving for retirement. Um, and so I, I played the flip side, the devil's advocate, okay? And I said, so you're retiring? <laughs> and he got rather upset with me on the phone and, uh, and said, you know, don't be, don't be flippant with my money, <laughs> you know? I said, well, has your goal changed? Are you saving for retirement? I said, what has changed other than the price? And in, right now it's only on paper, because you haven't lost anything till you cash out. It still has, it still has, it has a, a lesser value if you cash out, but I'm, I'm confident that it's going to recover and you're going to be fine, but you have to let it do its, its own thing. Okay. Right. And so he said, okay, we'll leave the money that's there, but I don't want to put any new money into my investments because he was putting some in every month. I said, that's fine. Let's do that. And then I held my breath, you know, <laughs> and hope that it comes back fast. Okay. Right. Well, a couple of years later, um, the market had recovered and gone beyond where it had been before. And they were in a situation where they needed to buy a house. And now they needed to cash it out to actually buy the house. But it had fully recovered all, everything that he thought he had lost was not lost. And he had made a significant profit on his investment over those 15 years or so. And, uh, and so he called me when he was doing that. And he, he <laughs> in, in these words, sort of, he said, thank you for not allowing me to be a fool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, it, you know, it's difficult to say those things to you, but I know the principles. Right. And I know what, you know, as hard as it is, you need to stay the course on these things. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. Such practical advice. I mean, first of all, just relating to the missionary out there who is feeling maybe embarrassed about even raising support or feeling the fear of rejection. Um, you know, those fears don't come from the Lord, right? Those come from insecurity. Yes. And uh, maybe not knowing how to communicate with our brothers and sisters who do want to send us mm -hmm. um, or maybe they don't, but maybe they would if they understood. Exactly. And I think with the right information, some of that thinking can change right. in, in the hearts and minds of the believers. And I mean, it is the responsibility of the church to evangelize the world. Right. So how's that going to happen unless you send out? And of course there are verses that we know from scripture that says, you know, to send them, you know, right. and the great commission to go into all the world. 
well, then the church has to assume the responsibility. If I'm not going to go myself, then I need to help somebody else to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, the, and then to end on what you were just saying about missionaries also needing to plan for the future, just because we're missionaries doesn't mean we're absolved from saving for retirement or saving for our children's education or, or just saving in general, not living hand to mouth. Very true. Because those are biblical principles, even though um, maybe they have a bad taste in our mouth. They're not bad. They're, it's good to save and to plan for the future. Yeah, well, as a, by way of my own testimony, um, I didn't come to this knowledge until I was 40-plus years of age. Okay, uh, I just had, and we had been on the field for years, okay, and came home and I was introduced to this information and started in, okay, to save, but it's just taken now at my current age and I'm at that point of retiring, it's kind of like, I sure wish I had started when I first went overseas. Hmm. Um, I, I have, I, I think we have adequate, but we really had to sacrifice to, to get anything. Okay. Because when you start at 40 plus years of age, like I said, you have to put that much more a month away than the person who started say at age 25. And, and so it's been, uh, it's been a challenge, but we've stayed committed to that and, um, We've seen uh, enough fruit or growth from that, but I wish it were more so that we, you know, if, if I live to a hundred, I'm going to, I won't, I'm going to exhaust the funds before I get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're pretty healthy. There's a chance you could pull that off. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. And, and we're thinking about you, all those people who are out there listening. And if if fundraising has been a barrier for you, not going to the field, don't let it be. And if you're on the field and you haven't started setting aside for the future, start now. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. God bless. You've been listening to the Rethink Missions podcast. For more information and episodes, go to wmissions.com. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review and subscribe 